Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we've we've been going through the Gospel of Luke. We've been spending a lot of time in the Gospel of Luke, going kind of section by section, and we've we've been we've called it an Earth Walk because we're looking at the earthly walk of Jesus. And in this section of Luke, we've been calling it the teaching of Jesus Christ, Earth Walk, the teaching of Jesus Christ, looking specifically at the teachings of Jesus. So you know we, that really is from chapter 12 all the way up to chapter 19. So we just got through with chapter 12. We're getting ready to get into chapter 13 today. What we're going to look at today is that Jesus is going to address probably a human tendency that all of us here have. All of us have a tendency, and let's just go ahead and say it, we have a tendency to compare ourselves with other people. Well, if you want to admit that or not, you have that tendency. When you go throughout the week each day, even today, Right here in this room, whether you realize it or not, some of you are comparing yourselves to other people. You do it at the mall, you do it at Walmart, you do it at the restaurant. You compare yourself with other people. You say, what do you mean you compare ourselves? What are you talking about? Well, sort of like this. I can't believe they dressed that way today. That's a comparison. Look at the way they're driving. That's a comparison. Now, it goes to an extreme, and this is what Jesus is going to talk today about in this passage. We're going to look at verses 1 through 9. When the comparison happens like this, we hear of a tragedy. I just told you about a tragedy that's happening in Nigeria. And immediately the comparison can go to an extreme where we start to think, well, I wonder what they did to deserve that. You know what I'm talking about? You say, well, I don't have that kind of problem, George. Well, before you say you don't have it, I want you to think about the last time somebody you knew, maybe it was a neighbor, maybe somebody you worked with, maybe even somebody you don't like, when they've had a tragedy happen, just out of the blue, our natural tendency is to think, well, what did they do to deserve that? This is what Jesus is dealing with here. He's dealing with this issue of how we tend to put the focus from our lives and what's going on in our lives onto other people. Because that's what we do. We compare. Well, I must be doing okay because I'm not going through the stuff that they're going through. In fact, look with me. Let's look look at the passage together. Look with me at verse 1 through verse 9. There was present at this season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans? Because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Or those eighteen of whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. Unless you repent, you will likewise perish. And he also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it 
and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if it's not, then you can cut it down. We can basically take this passage and kind of divide it into three sections here. We're going to see, first of all, the question. He's going to deal with this issue of the question that we all wrestle with. Then he's going to look at the call, and then we're going to talk about the coming judgment. First of all, the question. What's happening here is, in this same season, so it's around this same period of time when the multitude are there. We know from chapter 12 that there was a multitude. The Greek word tells us about 10,000 people or more. About this time that Jesus is having this interaction with this multitude and teaching them, some folks come to him and they tell him about some a tragic event that happened, about some Galileans that Pontius Pilate, the Roman procreator, had killed and their blood mingled with the sacrifices. Now what exactly are we talking about here? Well, probably there was an incident in the temple where a group of Galileans went down into the temple to make their sacrifices. Now, if you know anything about the temple at that time, on the corner of the temple was a place where the Roman soldiers were stationed. And if ever something happened to cause a stir, they would then go down into the temple and settle it. We know this from the book of Acts, because remember remember when they captured Paul, and there was a big riot, and they were trying to kill Paul. The Roman soldiers heard of this kerfuffle that was going on, and they immediately went down there and what? Rescued Paul out of there. So something obviously happened in the temple while these Galileans, this group of Galileans, was there trying to make a sacrifice, and so they ended up getting killed. They ended up being slaughtered. And so these folks are coming to Jesus and telling him about this tragedy. And possibly the question that is going on there is, is this a result of their individual sin? See, that's the question we're talking about. Is suffering and tragedy a result of individual sin? We all wrestle with that. Think about the last time you knew that somebody went through something, immediately, somewhere in the thought process, even if it's just for a passing moment, we think in our minds that they do something to deserve that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Where you've heard something like that. Can I be honest with you? It is prevalent in Christian churches. It is prevalent in Christian churches. Now, let me just stop for a moment. I have to qualify this because, yes, our sin does bring about consequences. Our sin brings about consequences. But here is a situation where maybe they didn't do anything. Maybe it's not a consequence. There's a group of people, maybe they're just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and they end up getting killed. They end up getting slaughtered. But to everybody else, it's like, well, man, what was going on in their life? And here's the thing. We tend to view it that way. We tend to view it that way. We tend to view that when tragedy or suffering happens... It's a result of their individual sin. They're just getting what they deserve. They're just getting what they deserve. So this is the question that's being posed to Jesus. So I want you to notice how he responds to it. 
I mean, it's interesting. They're asking Jesus a direct question about these guys. Jesus takes what they say, and he uses it to make a greater point. In fact, he uses it to call us to something. He uses it to get us to get our attention off of what others are doing and where they're at and put it right back on us. So I want you to notice with me, look at the passage. Look at verse 2. I mean, they're talking about this with Jesus. The question's obviously there, and Jesus is answering the question. He's answering it in a way that is not reflective of them. It's reflective of, of, of the people who were killed, but reflective of the ones who are asking it. Notice what he says there. It's actually reflective of you and I. Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? That's an interesting question. Do you think that the people who die in tragedy and who, are, who die in suffering, even if it is the consequence of their sin, are worse sinners than yourselves? That's a question we don't consider, is it? I mean, how many of us have said things like this? Boy, they got it coming to them. They deserve that. Really? Are they any worse than you? It's just that you know what they've done? Do you know what I'm saying? Are they any worse than you? It's just the reality of what you've done hasn't been exposed to everybody. It's You've kept it. You're pretty good at covering it up. They couldn't. I don't know if I agree with that, George. Well, think about it. I mean, go all the way back with me. John chapter 8. The woman caught in adultery. They're ready to stone her. And Jesus, I mean, they're asking, what should we do with her? They're trying to trap him into saying not to stone her. And Jesus said, you know, what does the law say? Well, they, they said what the law says. Jesus said, okay, you who are without sin... You pick up the stone and you be the first to cast it. And what does it say? One by one they left. From the oldest to the youngest. Now, I, I think that's significant. Why? Because the older you are, the more you realize about the junk in your life. You know what I'm saying? And this is the point that Jesus is saying here. Here's what he's saying. The manner of death does not measure righteousness. The manner of which someone dies or the manner of what someone suffers and goes through does not measure their righteousness. It doesn't. Just because they've gone through some junk, just because they've died a tragic death, just because of this, does not mean that they were any less righteous than anyone else. It also doesn't mean that they were any more a sinner than anyone else. This is the point Jesus is trying to get to here. Why? Why does he say that? Look with me. Continue on there. Verse 3. I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. What's the point he's making here? Death and judgment come on all. Here's what Jesus is saying. Look, guys, I understand you're telling me about this tragedy that happened there probably at the temple with those Galileans as they were slaughtered, as they were trying to, to make their sacrifices to God. And yeah, that's a terrible situation. But here's the reality, folks. You're going to die unless you get right with God. And when you die without getting right with God, you're going to hell. This is the point that Jesus is making. Don't get so fixated on what happened and what caused it and what was going on in their life. Look at your life. You're no different than they are. And if you're not right with me, your tragedy will be greater. 
And what he's talking about there is hell. Hell. See, this is the reality. He's talking about, look, don't, you know, we, this is what we do. We're into the comparison thing because what we do is, is this is a human tendency. I mean, just go to Walmart sometimes. See some of the people in there. I am so glad I am not like them. Here's, here's the secret. Somebody else in that store is thinking the same thing about you. Do you know what I'm saying? So there you are, and you're comparing. But you see, carry junk in your life. You carry sins that you're committing. And you're just as responsible for those as they are for theirs. So get your eye on yourself. Get your eye on yourself. Death and judgment come on all. And, and you know, and here's the thing. There is something else here I want you to see here. Notice what Jesus, the tone of his voice here. I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. He goes on and he tells another story here. And of the 18 on whom a tower in Siloam fell and killed him, do you think they were worse sinners than all other men who dwell in Jerusalem? So obviously there must have been a construction project going on. And, and I, you know, and I, I've been to the third world, and I believe me, it's amazing what they can do with bamboo. I wouldn't get on it. I wouldn't be underneath it while they're building. So obviously something's going on, something went wrong, and a tower that they were building fell on some folks and killed them. Again, the question is, what did they do? Jesus said, no, no, don't. Are, are they any worse than you? Here's what he's trying to get to. There is a urgency to repentance. There's an urgency to repentance. Because here's our tendency. We compare ourselves with other people, but we also think we've got a lot of time. We also think that we've got a lot of time. So, I mean, think about it. Those guys got up in the morning that day. They had their breakfast, whatever they had. And they went to work to build a tower. And it fell on them. How many of us have been in situations where, boy, you're glad it worked out well. See, there's an urgency for us to get right with God. This is what Jesus is saying. Don't sit there and say, oh, it's tragic. I wonder what's going on, what happened in their life. Jesus is calling us to something different here. You focus on yourself. You need him because if you don't need him, death and judgment are coming. There's an urgency. There's an urgency. So then he talks about the coming judgment. He kind of he wants us to understand that it's coming. He wants you and I to grasp it. So quit focusing on other people. Quit sitting there wondering what have they done to deserve that. You look at your own life, because you're not any better than them, and you need to make a decision. You either get right with God or you don't. You either come to Him in salvation and faith or you don't. And so to reiterate the point, he gives us a parable that's interesting. At first when you look at it, it's like, what in the world is he talking about? But when you see what he's talking about, it only adds to the urgency to repent. Look at what he says here. And he spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, Look, for three years I have been seeking fruit on this fig tree and have found none. Cut it down. Why does it take up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone. For this year also, until I dig around it, 
and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. If not, after that, you can cut it down. Here's what he's doing. He's giving us a picture to help us understand why we need to be urgent about our repentance, about getting right with the things in our life. See, my friend, the owner of the fig tree here is God. And here's the points he's trying to make here. Number one, our lives will be inspected. They're being inspected now. Our lives are being inspected. Our lives will be expected. Because here's the owner. He's coming. He wants to get fruit from this fig tree. He's got a fig tree. He's, he's probably planted it a few years for three years. So obviously three years beforehand, he planted this fig tree. Maybe he loves figs. And so he, he goes down to the tree and he looks for the figs. And he can't find any. So it's been three years now he's gone there. He's not found any fruit on this tree. He's inspecting this tree. He's going to make a judgment about this tree. And, and here's, here's what I want you to see. He's already decided, you know what? This tree is worthless. Chop it down. Put something else in its place. Get rid of it. It's not doing anything. This is the point you and I need to grasp. See, here's the thing. We've got this deception that's going on in Christianity today that says, okay, I can get saved, and i am got the heaven thing taken care of, and then you can just go on and live any way you want to live after that. You can just do whatever you want to do, because I'm forgiven, I can do whatever I want to do. Boy, you are so wrong if you bought that lie. You're so wrong. You have deceived yourself. Because you didn't get saved just for heaven later on. You got saved for now. For the purpose of the Master, the King, the God of the universe. And He wants to see fruit in your life. You say, what are you talking about? Just go to John 15. John 15 talks about you and I being a branch in the vine. And our purpose is to what? Bear fruit. And every branch that doesn't bear fruit, what? He cuts off. And so what you need to grasp is is that you are responsible for your life right now. And, and God is inspecting your life. He's looking down on your life. And the reality is, is here's what I want you to see. He's ready to deal with it. But the caretaker is calling for some patience. So here's what I want you to see. Patience is shown. The caretaker says, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I know, yeah, I know it needs to be cut down. Yo, it's not doing good. But let, let's cultivate it a little bit. Give it to me for one more year. Let's cultivate it. Let's dig around. Let's dig around. Let's dig around the roots a little bit. And, and maybe we'll put down some, some manure, some mushroom manure. Or, or, or put down some, I don't know, I'm not a gardener. My wife is. You know, maybe some cow manure or something. I, but whatever, he's putting the manure around the tree. So let me let me do that for a year. And a year from now, if there's no fruit in their life a year from now, in that tree's life, then you can deal with it. But if there is, it'll be good. Patience, folks. Aren't you glad for patience? I mean, think about it. I want you to think about it. Let's stop for a moment. Let's bring it down to where we're at. Let's stop the parable right now. Let's bring it down to where we're at. Because, you know, in the room this size with all of us here, including myself, if we get what we deserve for the sin in our lives, we'd all be dead. And some aren't bearing any fruit. You're not bearing any fruit. And so when the master comes by and says, hey, and it does happen. How do I know it happens? Job chapter 1. Have you considered my servant Job? So in a heavenly discussion that happens, 
And they're looking and saying, hey, have you considered my servant George? I can't find any fruit there. I can't find any fruit. Aren't you glad for patience? This is the point of the parable. Aren't you glad for patience? Why? Here's the reality that we need to grasp. This is what the caretaker says to the owner. One day, a year from now, you can judge. Why? Judgment will come one day. So you guys got to grasp the urgency of it. Don't sit there and say, "Well, I wonder what they did. Wonder why they deserve what they did." You know, oh, you know, poor, poor this person or that person. Boy, what did they do? And boy, you're getting what they deserve. End that conversation. Jesus is saying, "You look at your life. When the master comes, is he going to find fruit in your life?" And the reason it hasn't come yet is because he's being patient with you. Are you taking advantage of the patience of God in your life and cultivating your life so that there is fruit? Because one day, folks, judgment will come. One day, judgment will come. Either Jesus will come back, and if he tarries, it might be a car accident. It might be a health condition that suddenly takes you. It might be something freak that happens. It might be a natural or or some kind of political whatever. I mean, do you think the brothers and sisters in Christ who were in that church when that suicide bomber walked in in Nigeria and blew himself up in that church, do you think they were any less than us? This is the point Jesus is making here. Quit wrestling with that old question about other people. Focus on yourself. And you know where you're at. Are you bearing fruit for the king? Or are you just taking the easy chair, just like it is in North America, mentality, the lazy boy, Christianity, got my legs propped up, I'm just waiting for you to come back, Jesus. And you're not dealing with the junk in your life. How do we wrap this up? Let me give you some thoughts here. Do you sense the urgency? Folks, it's happening all around us. I mean, just turn on your news. Some of you get so bent out of shape, so whacked out about the news, whether you're watching Fox or CNN, whichever one you don't hate, the one that you're watching gets you so worked up about what's going on, and you're so worked up about what's happening in the country, and you're so worked up, so worked up, so worked up. Okay, great, be worked up, but what's it producing in your life? Is it producing a sense of urgency that, okay, maybe Jesus is coming back and the times are difficult? But no, it's not producing any urgency with us. It's producing a lot of complaining and a lot of judgmental spirit and a lot of condemnation. Can I remind you something, folks? This is a side note here. Be careful what you say about others because Jesus tells us that every idle word will be brought into judgment. And so before you get worked up by the news and condemn someone else, be careful what you say. But rather what it should produce in us, like I just went to a meeting and I heard about amazing things and tragic things that are happening in Christendom all around the world. You know what it produces in my life? Urgency. Is the time at hand, Lord. See, is it producing urgency in your life? When you hear of a tragedy of a loved one, when you hear a tragedy of a friend who goes through something, when you hear about this disaster or that disaster, do we just kind of fluff it off and ask those same old questions? What they did. No. Are you ready to meet the Maker? 
Are you ready to meet the king? That's what it should produce in our lives. Time short. Are you ready? You know, maybe, maybe the sense of urgency in my life is I just turned 46. I remember a time when I thought 46 was old. 46 was one foot in the coffin. But I'm going to be honest with you, I am 46, and I still have one foot in the coffin. Because as you get older, you realize how frail life is. Instead of focusing on others and where they're at and what their righteousness levels are and whether or not, I mean, all of that stuff, I should be focusing on me. Where am I at in my relationship with you, Jesus? Am I trusting in you alone? Am I bearing fruit in my life, Jesus? That's the urgency it needs to create in your life. Because I'm going to be honest with you folks, you're not promised tomorrow. Do you realize that? There was no contract that said when you were born, oh, you got 70 years. You're not promised that. So there's got to be a sense of urgency. Why? What will he find in your life? Ooh, that's too personal, George. See, I'd rather spend time talking about what was in the Galileans' lives who got killed. I'd rather spend time talking about what those workers were doing that caused the tower to fall on them in their lives. I'd rather talk about somebody else who's in county jail now and what they're going through. I'd rather talk about that stuff. Why? Because we don't want to talk about our own stuff. And let's be honest, folks. Our attitudes stink. Our actions stink. How we treat other people stink. We're not right. We're not right. And we know the answer about what he will find. And that's scary, isn't it? That's scary. So you say, okay, George, what do we do with this? And here's your action point for this week. Change the direction of your life. Change the direction of your life. Look, if you're here and you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross, you have come to him for salvation. The reality is the Bible says that he makes you a new creation, a new creature in Christ. He gives you the ability to say no to sin. You can change the direction of your life. You just got to make that decision. In fact, in Romans chapter 6, don't yield your members to sin, it says. He's broken the power of sin in your life. So there you are. You're, you're looking at this whole thing. You're, maybe you're sensing a sense of urgency. You're looking at your life and you're saying, man, if Jesus comes back, he is not going to find, he's not going to find something wonderful in my life. Okay. But aren't we glad for the patience of God? So then you take advantage of that patience and you say, okay, all right, Lord, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to make a change. I can't do it without you, Jesus, but I'm going to make the change. I want to be found worthy. I want to bear fruit in my life. I'm going to quit focusing on everybody else. Jesus, I'm a mess. Make the change. Thank you for being with us this morning. 
And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.